Welcome to Tripping Over the Barrel, a series that highlights the unique personalities within the oil and gas industry and the stories they have to share with your hosts and lead storytellers, Tilo and Dr. Funkenstein. What's up? <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Jeremy Funk and Tim Lozer again, back for the first full-length episode of Tripping Over the Barrel. Really excited about this episode today. The topic for us is going to be knowing when to shut the fuck up. Before we jump into the episode, wanted to give a couple of quick thank yous. I'll go first uh, to my wife for allowing me to create more time away from the family and do this podcast. Um, and I know Tim thanks his wife as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a big part of, of what's going on here, just taking that extra time. No doubt. And also wanted to give a quick thank you to our companies for allowing us to do this, OVS Group and W Energy Software. Tim, why don't you give a little bit of information to the listeners on your company, OVS Group? Yeah. So uh, I work in the sales department, VP of sales for OVS Group. Um, OVS Group is a software company based in Houston with a worldwide reach, but we do a lot of uh, production engineering workflows, automating a lot of complex engineering tasks. Thanks, Tim. And W Energy Software, uh, we are the leading provider of upstream and midstream cloud-based ERP solutions. So we focus a lot on accounting, land, production, division order, mobility, reporting, um, primarily in upstream and midstream, but also focusing on transportation and facilities as well. Great, great company that, that I work for, and I know that Tim is very happy to be at OVS Group as well. Yeah, so we don't want to make this an advertisement for the companies, but uh, they don't have to let us do this, and we're very happy that they're they're allowing us to get through this. So that'll be the the last set of of plugs we make uh, on our own behalf here for our companies. Well, they get free exposure too. So, so. <laughs> anyways, um, so the topic for today is what makes a good salesperson. Or, or sorry, in relation to our topic, what makes a good salesperson? So, Tim, let me let me ask you. You've hired salespeople over the years. What are some of the qualities or things that you think make a good salesperson? Well, you know, well, I'm going to reverse the question on you there, Jeremy. Okay. But, you know, what do people outside of the business and what, you know, when I was growing up, people would say, hey, Tim, you'd make a great sales guy. And I always wondered, you know, why, why, why do people <laughs> say that you'd make a great sales guy? So, Jeremy, what do you think? Well, it's because you like to talk. Yeah, no, that that's the that's the number one thing is hey, you you like to talk. You don't mind standing up in front of people talking. You should go into sales. And and I would I would pose that back to him. That's not what makes a good salesperson. I don't know about you. What do you think, Jeremy? Oh, I mean, you have to be able to listen. I don't think anybody's in the mood to listen to me yap and yap and yap. I need to hear what their challenges are, what their issues are, and be able to come up with solutions for those needs. Otherwise, there's really no point. I think the best salespeople are the best listeners and they can diagnose and create solutions. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking is good for kind of beginning conversations and getting people to talk with you and present their problems to you. And, and it's good to be able to start conversations and hold conversations. But it is not the reason that someone should become a salesperson. Uh, you know, and, that, and that's really kind of what brings us into this little topic of the day is sometimes telling those stories and talking and having these big conversations. That's your number one problem. Yep. Tell them, Tim. So, yeah. So like, you know, sometimes you can talk yourself out of a deal. 
sometimes you can talk and not even know that you had a deal. You don't even recognize uh, what's happening because you're so wrapped up in your own your own uh, story that you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you kind of miss the whole point, and you actually talk yourself out of something. So the, the real trick is when do you shut up? When do you recognize that hey, this thing is happening? Stop talking. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a, a lot of examples that I can think of uh, from just the offhanded, embarrassing comment where I talk trash about a vendor that happens to be standing in the same circle. But Tim has an example that he wants to jump into uh, from his, I believe this was his uh, analytics days when he was a sales engineer, but a story that Tim told me when we first started working together and one that I retell a lot. Why don't you dive into it? Yeah, yeah. So, so let me set the stage. Um, I was a sales engineer doing uh, technical presentations. I uh, uh, did a little bit of sales work at the time, but mostly I was the the, te- the hired gun technical resource to come in and talk to our clients. So I get set up to go out to Bakersfield, California, meeting with a company that doesn't doesn't exist anymore. But you know, we we get there early. We set up the meeting. We we set up projectors and test all the equipment. And of course, everything's working good. And I'm having good banter back and forth with the guys who are coming in the room. And was we it sit a, down. Was it a but, big business deal? It wasn't terribly big, but at the time it was a reasonably sized company out there. It wasn't Exxon or Shell or anything like that. But, you know, it would have been a, you know, a, a, for that small company I was with, it would have been a good sized deal. Yeah. So, you know, room of 10 to 15 engineers. I was in my element. These are guys that would have been peers of mine in school. It's, it's all exactly who I'd want to be talking to. Equipment's working. Software's working. We're all sitting there. We're just ready to do a demo. And I was, I thought, well-prepared. Had my speech up. I'd done this demo 15, 20 times. I, I knew what we were going to be doing. And, man, I start working. And, damn it, I was on. I was on. My stories were funny. Fire flame, fire yeah. flame emojis. Oh. oh man, it was just happening. Everything the, the guys were laughing, the the software was working, it was on point. We just keep kind of rolling through this. And man, I was excited. I I knew that I was hitting on all cylinders. My demo was top notch. Uh every every feature was exactly where I wanted to be. I was smooth talking. I knew every word that I wanted to say and when I wanted to say it. You know, and I've so you, so you got him to sign. You got him to sign before you went to yeah. the airport, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is where it starts going sideways. So anyway, we're sitting there, and I'm looking up at the screen, uh, trying to. I'm using my left hand, pointing up at the screen, and I hear a little movement at the end of the table. No big deal. And and uh, I hear something. Is the there's a sliding moving across <laughs> the table, and I look down at my laptop. And an American Express card has slid across the table. It is now wedged under the bottom of my laptop. Ta-da. So, bang. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yes. You know, so the whole table cracks up and laughs. And, you know, here we are. I've got this credit card in my hand. And it's, you know, from Joe at the end of the table. And we all have a good laugh. And, you know, I slide it back to him. And we talk a little bit. And then we keep going. And I, and I basically took the – I knew I was hitting it. I knew that my stories were going great. I, I mean, if you like that feature, check this out. <laughs> off wait. we go. Off we go into the next feature, and this everybody we're still doing, and everyone's engaged. And okay, you like that? Check this out. On to the next feature. Oh, we were hitting it. We were having a great time, you know. And we get to the end of the meeting, and 
I've, I've just featured these guys to death and it all worked. Every bit of it worked. Every bit of it was useful. And I knew it was, and I thought, man, this is a done deal. Well, as it turns out, we, we get to that point in the meeting where we're talking, all right, what's the next steps, man. Yeah. And, uh, these guys were all saying, this is great. This is exactly what we need. You know, we need to get this and this and that and that, and that is great and all this. Okay. And they said, but you know, man, there's a lot to this. Ugh. And we need to get so-and-so in here. Oh, we're no. going to have to get some training. We're going to have to get these guys involved. we got to get a lot more people into this room to be able to, oh, man, I, so we need to get this guy and that guy. And oh, so suddenly what I what should have been a complete sale turned into, man, this is going to be complicated. We need to get a whole bunch more people involved. And that was, you know, probably lesson one in my life about about talking. It was, the, the, you know, yeah, it was a great demo, hit a lot of big points that were high value for this company. But there were two or three problems here. But one was they didn't I made it look complicated by not stopping. I already got my buy signal. You've never yep. seen a better buy signal than that. Shut the hell up. I mean, that's that's an interesting one because I don't think that happens as much today just based on the the climate that we're in, right? You're probably your story is probably more from 70 or 80 dollar oil days. Um, but nonetheless, I've never had somebody slide a credit card to me, especially within the first 15 minutes of showing the product. I don't know exactly how I would react to that, right? You're sort of programmed to go through and do your demo and kind of show your whole, whole spiel. And like you said, you got excited, you got in a good rhythm. What would you have done in retrospect when uh, Joe, the CEO, slid his business, uh, slid his Amex over to you? Well, you know, in retrospect, the right thing to do right there is here's a buying signal. Okay. It, it may not be the credit card. It may be the guy leaning over to whisper to the guy to his left or to his right. It may be the guy moving in his chair, looking at the guy behind him, something. There's a moment right there. That is a signal that you did something that got somebody excited. So right there, you stop, look at the guy and you say, tell me about what, what was it? What was it that, what value did you just see that made you react that way? Some way, just engage him. And suddenly the meeting becomes his. Yep. It is now his meeting and it doesn't matter if you show one more thing, you let that guy do the selling for you and you let him talk to his guys and they now control the conversation. The, the, the problem here was I thought it was about me and my <laughs> demo and my stuff, it, but it should always have been about them. Now, the other thing, the big dilemma in this particular demo that was kind of interesting that I look back in retrospect. I had no idea when I had my script written, what was going to be the big topic? What was the value? I had done no discovery. I had yeah. my speech. Suddenly they told me what it was. I, you know, I should have stopped, but that's exactly when I was like, okay, this is the value point. In an ideal world, before I go into that meeting, I already know what that big one's going to be. And I hit that point and then I let it sit and I let them start selling. But the, key, the yeah. key here is, you know, the, the funny part to me is, you know, we we see this credit card slide across the table and I was too dumb to even stop and just figure out what the hell the problem was. But you know, and but I think every sales guy has a story about talking themselves out of a sale. And this is kind of my first. Unfortunately, it wasn't the last. But, what, you know, what every salesperson should learn if they take anything from the story is 
you got to look for those clues. It's not yeah. about you. It's not about what you're saying. And you may be the funniest guy in the world. You may be the prettiest person in the room. It's not about you. It's about what their value is. No, I, I think that speaks to a much larger point, Tim. We're at like the 12 minute mark and I have to make a PSA to all the salespeople out there. Um, one of my friends uh, in the space always likes to say this to salespeople. And, and I've had to take this to heart is like, I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't care about you. Like you're reaching out to me to provide value to me. And if I have the ability to buy from you, then you need to not waste my time and you need to show me value quickly. So it's, it's one of those things where whether you're in the room, whether it's an email, look at how many eyes you're putting in those emails versus how many we's or yours. It's not about you. It's about the prospect that you're talking to, their needs and your ability to add value. And I think with this downturn that we have right now, we're going to see some of these uh, better positioned teams, whether it be sales and people who are uh, empathetic and understand that doing business is about solving pains and needs on the client side, that some of these companies will thrive and others will really struggle. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and again, it's, it's the best salesperson in the room is not the salesperson who's got, got an ax. You know, I've got something I want to put in place. It's going to be those guys in the room articulating back. This is valuable to me and this is why. So if you can get the meeting, you hit the value point, they get it, they'll echo it back. And then you're, then you're on to, okay, guys, you told me what the value is. You tell me the next steps. <laughs> totally. But, but fundamentally, if you think about at least in the oil and gas upstream and midstream space, primarily the upstream space, most of the products have been created by people who came from the industry, right? So you're talking about uh, engineers, or uh, accountants or operations leaders or, or IT folks even that come from that side of the business and then uh, start a company. So, so there's probably been some validation from a company or two along the way saying, your product is the greatest thing since sliced bread. You have technical founders. You bring this product to market and you don't really focus on the sales discipline piece, right? You just sort of assume, well, since I built the best product ever, it's going to sell. The problem is that's every product in the space that we play in, right? Yeah. Which which creates an interesting dynamic for salespeople. Yeah, there there is always somebody else out there who's doing the same type of thing. You've got competitors, you've got internal competitors. You've got to you've got to hit the value and you've got to understand the methodology of selling. I've worked for a lot of founder-led companies, and that's they don't engineers don't like sales guys. So they want <laughs> engineers to sell stuff. You know, sales yep. is a profession. You've got to train yourself. And one of the things you've got to learn as a sales guy, just because you can talk doesn't mean you should be. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I mean, maybe when you're going out to the the grotto or whatever after Nate, right? That's when you can do all your talking. But, you know, it, it does help to listen there too. Yeah. I think if uh, if you're trying to score at the uh, at the grotto, um, I think listening is probably just as valuable. <laughs> most, most likely. That's awesome, Tim. I'm glad that we could sort of segue with, with that particular story. Let me ask you a, a quick question now. From, a, from the, a, the business standpoint, are you seeing some, some trends sort of play in your, in your direction right now? Are you seeing more business from like natural gas companies, international, privately held versus public? I uh, wanted to sort of dive in and chat about this topic a little bit. Yeah. So from, 
you know, my perspective, we've, you know, obviously we've seen a lot of projects kind of just disappear. Uh, certainly a lot of momentum has disappeared, but you know, what we have seen is a little bit more optimism on the gas side of the business, especially those that don't have a lot of liquids. And I'm not saying that they're overly excited, but their budgets haven't been decimated like some others. And I've seen I've seen a little bit more optimism about moving forward, whereas in in on the kind of the wetter, the uh, the more liquid side of the business, it's definitely been a, you know, hey, I don't want to talk to anybody right now. I'm just trying to, you know, get this cost down or do something with it. So anyway, just general optimism on the gas side. I can't say that there, you know, yeah. there's not a lot of people out knocking on doors looking for stuff right now, but still. Yeah, it's it's a unique time, and I appreciate that perspective. Certainly, I think all of the deals right that that were in play for most companies have have slowed down. Right, in a lot of companies have had to step back and take a look. Right, how is this going to affect my bottom line? And truly, what is the ROI on making some type of investment on the technology side? Um, we're still seeing great momentum. It's really fun for us, you know, sort of being end to end diversified in oil and gas helps. But I've also noticed that there's an increased use of collaboration. I think internally with the team, we're doing a lot more with video. I personally am sending a lot of videos out to a company, whether it be you know proposals or even cold emails, I think because we can't get any of that FaceTime, that personal touch, it's adding a little bit of value. And, and I would agree with you as well. If you look at the gas companies, uh, the publicly traded gas companies, stock prices are up. And then if you look at some of the privately held gas companies, you're starting to see more and more moves happen. With Chesapeake assets potentially being on the block, I think it'll be interesting um, to see what continues to happen. But th- that's kind of the trend I'm seeing too. Younger companies, privately held companies, um, and domestic natural gas producers seem to be trending at least not down right now. Yet I think one one other little trend I've been seeing on the technology side that you know this downturn and more importantly the working from home has really caused the oil and gas business to embrace collaboration a little bit more than I think they've done historically. I mean, the oil and gas business has always gotten a black eye for being a little bit behind when it comes to adopting some of the technologies from the you know mid two thousands to now. Uh, certainly in the eighties, they were leaders in adopting technology, but now I'm seeing. Because they were forced to, uh, companies adopting Slack and Teams and uh, other collaboration tools, and I think we're just a uh, we're just a little bit away from seeing the technical tools in the oil and gas business actually integrating with those collaboration tools as well. So I think we're going to see a lot more collaboration between the technologies. When you say that, you mean actually leveraging tools like Microsoft Teams or GoToMeeting Video in association with like a well site or something like that? Exactly. So, you know, speaking from personal, you know, our company has has done a lot with Teams and we've now proven that, hey, you can integrate these technical tools directly into Teams. And so I we're going to see more of that around, across the board. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a logical connection people can make, right? If you look at the lower cost applications that companies already have, the Microsoft suite is a great one, right? And even for smaller organizations leveraging the Google suite, I mean, there's some really low cost opportunities for companies to take advantage uh, of existing technologies. And I think it took this downturn for a lot of us to realize that. Yeah, so uh, everybody, you know, we're... 
at a good a good point here, but want to thank everyone for uh, joining us. We had a uh, you know good time kind of telling one of an old war stories, and we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of that. Hopefully, there's a little bit of a lesson. Certainly, we were kind of reaching out to the sales guys here, but if you've got topics, certainly reach out to us. We'd love to hear them. We've got a few of them lined up for you. But you know, again, we want to look at the lighter side of the business, and hopefully, you enjoyed the little story with the credit card. Uh, as as much as I did uh, after I figured out what I did wrong. Yeah, I think the thank you, Tim. I think the learning lesson in this in this whole meeting today is that um, if somebody's going to slide their corporate American Express card over to you when you're in the middle of the demo, you should just shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah.